Hola, I am Jorge Leal, historian at the University of California, Riverside, and this is The Discursive Power of Rock en Español and The Desire for Democracy, o El Rock en Español y El Anhelo Democrático, para más corto. And this is Episode 2, El Rock en Español en Los Ángeles, o Rock en Español Arrives to Los Ángeles. Rock en Español emerged as a pan-Latin American music genre in the 1980s. By the 1990s, it became popular in Southern California, where an eager and enterprising group of young women and men began to create their own distinct version of the genre that we can define as rock angelino, being rooted in Los Angeles. In other episodes of this podcast series, we have discussed how Latin American rock and roll has long been associated with the so-called counterculture and also oppositional politics throughout different Latin American countries. Now, in Southern California, the music that emerged within the rock angelino scene and also the spatial manifestations in the form of impromptu music venues that I define as ephemeral forums were crucial for Latin American immigrants and also US-born Latinos, Latinas, Latines to create bridges of solidarity between Latinos and Latinas of different national origins, citizenship statuses, also legal immigration statuses, and, all, and to claim themselves as part of Southern California this at a tense moment of demographic change, economic restructuring, racial tensions, and anti-immigrant politics in California. First, before we talk about music, I think it's important to provide a structural context of Southern California's origin and also the time period that was these last decades of the 20th century. Also, a quick note on terminology. In the 2020s that we live in, we use the term Latinx or Latine to identify people of Latin American origin. These terms are either gender neutral or gender expansive. But in this episode, I will be using Latinos and Latinas as how most people identify themselves in the 1990s. Well, speaking of the 1980s and 1990s, during that decade, the population of Los Angeles County saw a decrease of white residents and also the emergence of this non-white majority with Latinos and Latinas becoming the largest non-white ethnic group. The rise of Latino residents in LA County is a confluence of factors during this decade, such as more American-born Latinas and also immigration from Mexico and Central America, generated by the implementation of neoliberal policies, in the case of Mexico, that result in the North America Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, which transformed the country's economy and made daily life economically precarious for many Mexicans. Conversely, California received increased flows of Central American immigrants fleeing the violence of civil wars in El Salvador, Guatemala, and other Cold War fuel conflicts in Central America. The increase of the Latino-Latina population in Southern California also takes place during the 1990s recession, heightened racial tensions in Los Angeles with ongoing cases of police brutality, which in 1992 produced the Los Angeles crisis, also known as the LA riots, that derived from the beating of a black motorist, Rodney King. And this detonated one of the most destructive social eruptions in American history. These heightened economic, racial, demographic tensions will result in a relentless anti-immigrant social and political backlash in the form of Proposition 187. This was an electoral initiative embraced and championed by the then California governor, Pete Wilson. Prop 187 sought to deny any public services to undocumented immigrants, 
and that would have affected thousands of people. Not only people that perhaps didn't have documents, but people that they knew in their communities. This initiative, in conjunction with other so-called racial propositions, as historian Daniel Hosang Martinez discusses in his work, were put on the ballot and approved by California voters in the mid-1990s, in addition to seeking to deny benefits to undocumented immigrants, these propositions outlaw bilingual education, affirmative action, and increased incarceration due to the three strikes law. Overall, this initiative sought to perpetuate a white political dominance over the non-emerging non-white population and decisively over the Latino population, which was becoming a demographic majority. It is in this social, economic, racial, and political moment that throughout their cultural expressions and also placemaking, Latino and Latina youth rock and Angelino participants claim themselves as part of Southern California, push against this anti-immigrant rhetoric, while also advocating for equality and social justice in the U.S. as well as in Latin America. As we see, immigration is a central part of the Latino and Latina experience in the 1990s. The crossing of borders, fronteras, and belonging are themes that rock and angelino artists have discussed in their lyrics in the 1990s and into the near present. As an example, Gaby Moreno, a singer-songwriter originally from Guatemala, who now resides in Los Angeles. As a result of her experiences of migration, she has composed a song called Fronteras, and its lyrics are actually in Spanglish. So why don't we listen into a version of Gaby Moreno's Fronteras performed by the students of Miramonte Music Program in South Los Angeles. Aquí está. This is where I belong. 
Now let's widen our historical lenses. There is a long history of music created by people of Mexican and Latin American descent in Los Angeles. For instance, at the beginning of the music recording era, in the 1920s, when the first commercial records were recorded produced, Los Angeles became the place where Mexican bands, trios, duetos, and solo singers recorded their songs. Many of these Mexican artists actually live in Los Angeles, as they had either fled Mexico during the Mexican Revolution or visited to record their songs. So yes, the first albums of Mexican music were recorded in Los Angeles and then distributed to Mexico and Latin America, something that continues to happen to this day. Moving forward to the emergence of rock and roll, several key early rock and roll artists were actually Me Mexican-Americans, such as Richie Valens in the 1950s, Cannibal and the Headhunters, who performed with the Beatles actually in the 1960s. And by the 1970s, we had bands like Tierra, Malo, Appear. Carlos Santana rose to fame in nearby San Francisco. In the 1980s, there was a new generation of Chicano punk in Los Angeles. In many of these songs, these Chicano artists use either Spanglish or elements of Mexican music. So, Rock Angelino should be understood as part of this continuum of musical legacies from those earlier musical scenes in Los Angeles. They were certainly influential, either explicitly or implicitly, for the visibility of musicians with Spanish surnames in the rock world. But the important twist here is that in contrast to earlier Chicano rock and roll and punk rock acts, Rock Angelino was created mostly by Mexican and Latin American immigrants, and it was mostly in Espanol. Several of the veterans of this Chicano rock and roll and also the punk rock bands would in time in the 1990s collaborate with emerging Rock Angelino bands, such as Los Illegals with Maria Fatal, but I'm getting ahead of myself in here. Why don't we go back to the beginning of Rock Angelino and its roots as a music created by immigrants. In the late 1980s, Argentinian acts like Soda Stereo and Miguel Mateos ventured into Los Angeles and performed their very first U.S. shows in front of an audience comprised of mostly young Latinos and Latinas. While most of these fans were recent immigrants, others were second or third or even later generation U.S. born. This is the case of Yvonne Gomez and Flora Tapia, the co-founders of Club Rock en Español, or CRE. At the time, both of them were teenagers born and raised in the suburbs of Southeast Los Angeles. Yvonne and Flora grew up listening to American pop and also 1980s new wave. Yvonne first got to hear songs by Latin American rock bands during her teenage years. This as a result of her summer family's visits to Mexico. This sparked Yvonne and then Flora, her best friend's interest in bands like Soda Stereo and also more pop acts like Spain's Mecano. So when Las Chicas, Yvonne and Flora, learned that Soda Stereo was going to visit Los Angeles, they decided to create a fan club to support them and also other Latin American bands in their LA visits. Soon, El Club Rock en Español enrolled dozens and then hundreds of members, most of them young people who yearned to listen and to learn more about these emerging bands coming from Latin America and Spain. As they listened to Rock en Español, Yvonne y Flora embraced El Español, a language that they had previously only spoken at home. Most importantly, Yvonne, Flora, and many of the U.S.-born members of the Club Rock en Español 
expanded their knowledge and contact with different types of expressive culture from Latin America, such as film, literature, and of course, music. The continuous social and cultural contact with Latino and Latina immigrants, and also the media produced that emanated from Latin America, can be considered an example of what sociologist Tomás Jiménez defines as replenished ethnicity. According to Jiménez, ethnic replenishment is a process in which the cultural and ethnic identity of U.S.-born Latinos and Latinas is shaped by their contacts with recent immigrants. We can extend this example of ethnic replenishment to Rock en Español, as it became the conduit for many young people to create a more defined Latino-Latina ethnic identity in 1990s Los Angeles. Well, soon, Club Rock en Español began to host their own parties and also their own shows, their own tocadas, where they invited some of the first rock angelino bands that were forming at the time. By the early 1990s, there were bands like Eclipse, which were very influenced by Mexico's El Tri and Voz de Mano, which had a more rock and pop sound. Since Rock en Español was not a known music genre, and let's face it, Latinas and Latinos had long been discriminated at primarily white rock and roll venues. This first batch of rock angelino bands played wherever they could perform, be it in quinceañera halls, out of mechanic shops, warehouses, backyards, empty offices, and at times even in funerary homes. Yeah, this is a true story. I define these spaces as ephemeral forms. These are temporary and improvised spaces that rockeros have created and utilized in the absence of more formal commercial venues. These ephemeral forums draw on the tradition of the do-it-yourself ethos of American punk rock, but also emerges with fringe sites known as Oyo's Funkies that arose in the marginalized neighborhoods of Mexico City, where youth culture took refuge in the aftermath of the violent repression of the student protests of 1968. A key characteristic of the ephemeral forums is the emphasis for these events to be open to all ages attendees. All ages events did not require attendees to present an ID, an state-issue identification. This not only allowed young people, some of their 18, to attend to these shows, these tocadas, but also permitted people who might not have U.S. documents to be let into and participate in these shows. These ephemeral forums created by the Rock Angelino scene offer possibilities of inclusion and belonging for youth, irrespective of their legal status. Even when other activities and locations in Los Angeles were off-limits to Latino immigrants due to their legal and migratory condition, among the most Known rock angelino bands of this era were Maria Fatal, Los Olvidados, Ley de Hielo, Pastilla, Cabula, Las Quince Letras, and well, many, many others. So please don't get mad if I didn't mention your tío's band. This is because within a couple of years, there were dozens of bands playing rock en español throughout Los Angeles. And by the end of the 1990s, when the scene was at its highest point, there were probably over a hundred bands active in Southern California. The inspiration for the lyrics of these bands was pretty diverse. Many of them talk about el amor, love, 
heartbreak, el desamor, and many other different themes. But many of these bands also chronicle their everyday experiences as migrant angelinos. During a time of deep and public anti-immigrant politics, these rock angelino bands responded by creating songs that address this xenophobic atmosphere in California. Eclipse composed a song titled Que Triste Vive Mi Gente, which we can translate to How Miserably My People Live. In this song, Eclipse's frontman, Mario Diaz, aimed to demolish the myth that there is wealth to be made by migrating to the U.S. As Mexican immigrants commonly live in squalid conditions while their labor is exploited. In 1992, another band composed by immigrant young men also emerged as part of the Roca Gelino scene, that would be Los Olvidados, or The Forgotten Ones. At the time, the founder of the band, Jorge Infante, said he brought together Los Olvidados as a vehicle of expression, and for him not to go crazy in a society that makes one feel like a second-class citizen. Infante was a young man who had migrated from Tampico, Mexico. Only a few years before, Infante's statement surely reflected the feelings shared by followers of Los Invidados and people who were part of the Latino-Latina youth culture that revolved around rock and español. For many rock and español participants in Los Angeles, the experience of migration to the United States was overwhelming. The idealized place that Diaz from Eclipse Infante from Los Olvidados and other young immigrants had long sought and imagined as a welcoming land for immigrants was far from being reality. Rather than being welcomed, they were often received with marked hostility by white Americans and even Mexican Americans of later generations who perceived immigrants as a drain on public services and also as a threat to their employment. In their songs, these rock and Chilino bands channel these disorienting immigrant experiences to produce a chronicle of their own lives as immigrants. Within other immigrants and US-born Latinos in the rock and Chilino scene, they found a sympathetic audience that probably had similar experiences. And together they denounced the marginalization and the mistreatment that they, as fellow immigrants, endure. For instance, Los Olvidados composed a song called Silvestre, which announced the colorism and racism both in Mexico and in the U.S. One other line says, Mira que me has hecho temer a la oscuridad de mi piel. You have made me fear the darkness of my own skin. In other songs, like Viernes, Friday, Los Olvidados portray a Friday night of an immigrant after a long week working in their words like a slave. Yet, the main character in the song also recounts what many immigrants do after working really hard, which is partying really hard. In the song, we start on a Friday, ends on a Sunday, with doubts about if there'll be enough money to send back to their parents back home, but also recounting some wild adventures and even some instances of queer sex. By the mid-1990s, the most recognizable bands in the Rock Angelino circuit were composed of Mexican and Latin American immigrants. But soon, a band comprised fully of U.S.-born Latinos would come into the scene. That would be Las Quince Letras. The band led by the brothers Abel and Martin Sanchez understood themselves as second-generation Americans, yet never felt completely American. They 
rather felt like Mexicans from Los Angeles, as they would define themselves. In addition, the lyrics of Las Quince Letras discussed political subjects that were relevant to both LA and Latin American audiences. In Aunque No Quieras, Even If You Don't Want To, a song included in their first album released in 1997, Las Quince Letras addressed and denounced the anti-immigrant environment present in California at the time. song was written after the passage of Prop 187. Yet the lyrics present a defiant and affirming message amidst the uncertainty present in Southern California immigrant communities. In these lyrics, the band goes beyond denouncing this anti-immigrant measure and boldly asserts the self-reliance, perseverance, and defiance with which immigrants will confront these laws. Aunque no quieras, yo me educaré. Aunque no quieras, yo me curaré. Y aunque no quieras, voy a existir. In their songs and continuous college political activities, Las Quince Letras demonstrated how they engage in solidarity through their songs and their participation in these political actions for immigrant rights, while critiquing American intervention for exacerbating political and armed conflicts in Latin America during and after the Cold War. Now let's talk a little bit about the musical Pastilla, a band led by brothers Victor and Adrián Monroy, which is another example of expansive creativity of the rock angelino. Pastilla's lyrics were definitely not political, yet their bicultural and bilingual existence as young immigrants who came of age in Pomona, California, was definitely present in their music. Let's check out a bit of their song called Be or Buy, Your Pick. This is a song that they sung in English on one audio channel and in Espanol on another. So pick up your headphones and listen in. of the activity of the rock angelino scene peaked in the late 1990s. Dozens of bands recorded, released their own records, and performed hundreds of shows in Southern California, played along with the biggest bands in Latin America at times, toured throughout California, other states in the U.S., and even Mexico. 
but like many other music genres and scenes, their popular cycle also declined. And this happened in the 2000s. As the fans aged out, and newer fans gravitated towards more specific niche genres such as ska or ska core, which became a very popular scene with Latino youth in the 2000s, along with indie rock and electronica. Nonetheless, there are many significant takeaways and important cultural productions that we can count as legacies of this 1990s rock angelino scene. In the case of people like Yvonne and Flora with the Club Rock en Español, the listening, promoting of this music from Latin America, producing tocadas, shows at any place they could find by turning them into ephemeral forums was a way to develop their own cultural connection to Latin America and also to understand themselves as part of Los Angeles and Latin America simultaneously. The bands drew on their extended Latin American intellectual roots and also their global immigrant solidarities to make sense of their immigrant realities, to articulate their presence, their belonging, and also their political thinking beyond nation states. These are two distinct but overlapping enactments of ethnic replenishment, which demonstrate how participants, supporters, and fans of rock and español in Los Angeles were asserting their identities as Latinos and Latinas, while they had different citizenship statuses, migratory legal statuses, came from different countries, and they could perceive each other as threats, or competition in getting jobs, or just moving ahead in society. Yet, they found common ground in the music and other cultural expressions of Latin America, and finding these common elements also developed solidarities with each other ultimately through their writing, their art, their lyrics, their space making, and of course, their music. Rock and Angelino participants created their own more expansive Latino-Latina cultural identity rooted in both Latin America and Los Angeles. Gracias, thank you for listening, and until the next episode. In this episode, we hear a version of Fronteras, a song by Gaby Moreno. This version was performed by the students of the Miramonte Music Program, based in the Miramonte School in South Los Angeles. We also listened to Eclipse with Que Triste Vive Mi Gente in Los Estados Unidos, Silvestre and Viernes by Los Olvidados, and Aunque No Quieras by Las Quince Letras. También, we listened to Be or By by Pastilla. This has been the discursive power of rock en español and the desire for democracy, o el rock en español y el deseo democrático. I'm Jorge Leal, professor at UC Riverside. This podcast series features the collaboration of Jose Vergara, director of the Miramonte Music Program, and the students who are part of the Miramonte Modern Band. We're also thankful for the support of the University of California Humanities Research Institute. This project is also supported in part by the University of California Office of the President MRPI funding. Thank you so much to our funders and for you for listening. Until next time.